Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. means it's time for Tim with Tim. We go verse by verse through the Word of God, Monday through Friday, live on Facebook and YouTube, audio podcast on uh, Spotify or anywhere else you find audio podcasts. I'm just glad you're with me. I really appreciate your time in the Word with me. You make me smarter. You make me work harder. You make me more faithful. Uh, and I feel like I'm learning a lot. I've preached the book of Acts frequently through the years, but I've never just, you know, really studied slowly like this. The the, the 10 minutes a day slows me down, and I feel like it's making me sort of uh, understand better Paul's chronology and the way the three missionary journeys uh, build on each other. And uh, chapter 19, where we are today, verses 1 to 22, it's Paul's third missionary journey, which is uh, pretty much centered in Ephesus. Uh, and it's really interesting. I love today's passage. So we start out uh, verses 1 to 7. Uh, remember yesterday we were talking about Apollos and how he was a, a little bit uh, deficient in his understanding of Christian baptism. And this is only uh, complicated even more with these 12 disciples of John the baptizer that Paul encounters in Ephesus here right at the beginning. Uh, it, it calls them disciples. New Living Translation calls them believers, but I think that's misleading. They're not Christians. They're not Christians yet. Uh, they're disciples of John. Uh, I, I say they're not Christians because they don't have the Holy Spirit. By, by definition, a Christian is a person who puts his faith in Jesus, he or she, uh, then receives the Holy Spirit. Uh, so if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you, you're not a Christian. So they're not Christians yet, but they're followers of John the baptizer. I think it's amazing because John never went you know, outside the Judean desert uh, in all of his life, but these are disciples of John 800 miles you know, and years after John is dead. So it's just another illustration of the incredible influence and impact of that amazing man, John the Baptist. But they were followers of John, and they uh, have never really progressed beyond John's early message, which was repent, you know, be baptized. Uh, but, but they didn't go any further. Paul has this expectation, if you're really a follower of John, then you're going to become a Christian. Because John, as he says in verse 4, Paul says, John told people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus uh, so these men had never put their faith in Jesus. They had never accepted Jesus as the Messiah. They had only received that early, early uh, baptism and message from John. They say we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I, I don't think they mean that technically. We know that John says, you know, I baptize with water, but the one coming after me will baptize with the Spirit and fire. Uh, so I don't think it's likely that they've never heard of the Holy Spirit at all. They just haven't heard about Pentecost. They haven't heard that he's come, the Holy Spirit. They haven't heard that the Holy Spirit you know, can inhabit you. And so, uh, again, as I say, they're not Christians. Uh, they're followers of John. But once they hear the rest of the message of John, you know, the, the one who comes after him, uh, they become believers. They become Christians. They're baptized. They receive the Holy Spirit. And the scripture, again, reminds us there are 12 of them in all. Uh, I just think that's neat. I don't think we're supposed to see a significance of there being 12 of them. Uh, but I would say right here is something of the beginning of the, you know, the, the real uh, core of the church at Ephesus. It's going to take a while to develop. And Paul is there a good, a good period of time. 
Notice how in verse 8, following his practice, he starts out in the synagogue. He preaches there for three months. Remember last chapter uh, in the second missionary journey when he kind of passed through Ephesus. They loved him and they wanted him to come back to the synagogue and, and preach more about Jesus. And so Paul keeps his promise. He goes back and he preaches there three months. They must have been extraordinarily open. Until they were, because <laughs> eventually they kick him out, which is also Paul's practice. And then it says that he holds daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Um, we don't know anything about that. It's just a place. It's a it's a public auditorium. It's a lecture hall, perhaps you know owned and you know operated by a, a, a teacher named Tyrannus. Uh, the name means tyrant. Uh, I think I had him in college, you know, Professor Tyrant. Uh, he must have been a pretty severe lecturer. But at any rate, the lecture hall is available, you know, at certain times of the day, probably when everybody, you know, takes their afternoon nap. I mean, seriously, in the heat of the day, probably when everybody else, you know, went, went home for a nap, Paul would probably take his break from work and come into the lecture hall and they'd have church, right? Uh, it reminds me of, of church plants, you know, all over, you know, the world, all over the United States, where while you're first getting started, you don't really have a place to meet, and so you find a public place, a school auditorium, you know, a, a, a you know library auditorium, and you have church there. So it's kind of that they're using a public hall, uh, and uh, and they have church there every day, which I love. This goes on for like two years as the church in Ephesus grows and Paul's ministry continues to grow as he preaches the gospel to everybody. Uh, verse 11 and 12 are, are interesting, kind of weird. It says, God gave Paul unusual powers you know, to perform miracles. And with that, handkerchiefs, things that had just touched his skin, his, his you know, do-rag, you know, I mean, literally, the Greek word there means like sweat rag. <laughs> his do-rag, whatever had touched him, his apron, uh, could be laid on a sick person, they will be healed. That, that's kind of weird. That's not common in Christian faith and Christian ministry. I know Oral Roberts tried this sort of thing. I didn't buy it then. You know, I'm typically skeptical of this kind of magical you know, sort of uh, miracle. Although in Ephesus, the, the culture is very geared toward you know, sorcery and magic. So, so I don't know if this is one of those instances where you know, the Holy Spirit you know, just sort of works in the ways that the people can relate to and understand. If, if this is the way they understand power, then maybe the Holy Spirit moves in some of these ways so that they recognize the power of, of Jesus through Paul. Uh, but, but at any rate, it, it, Luke says it's unusual. And again, it's not the kind of thing we see very often. But it builds up to the story that we find in verses 13 to 16, the, the seven sons of Skeva. <laughs> Man, I love this so much. So they're exorcists. Skeva is called a high priest, a leading priest. He's not like a Jewish priest uh, or anything like that. He's some sort of pagan priest. He's got seven sons. They're uh, exorcists. They're sorcerers. Uh, we know from all kinds of ancient you know, documents and artifacts that these ancient incantations, man, they, they would just, any name that sounded exotic, any foreign god, I mean, anything at all, they, they would just write these incantations and use all kinds of words and the names of gods and goddesses. And they don't necessarily believe in any of it or else they believe in all of it but they just use what they can to try to work magic and so when they saw that you know the name of Jesus you know through Paul had some power they start uh you know trying to like you know do exorcisms 
you know, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. Again, they're just adding up the names that they think have power. I love this. So the seven sons of Sceva are doing this exorcism, and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. <laughs> and the demon says, uh, excuse me, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the demon jumps on him and uh, you know, jerks their pants down and runs them out of the house. And I think that's just the funniest thing ever. I'm just telling you, as as the great Matt Betts, you know, once preached at Woodburn in this passage, Matt says, if you go into an exorcism with pants on and come out with pants off, it probably wasn't a very successful exorcism. <laughs> And that's exactly right, man. I mean, the demon pulls her pants down and runs him out of the house. And that's just the best story ever. Uh, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You know, oh my goodness, uh, that's just amazing. So that story spreads uh, and the power of Jesus, you know, continues to expose the falseness of all's magic, you know, garbage. And so notice here, verses 17, 20, uh, they have this public bonfire and, and those coming to Jesus begin to just burn their Ouija boards and all the stupid the crystal balls and uh, these books. Uh, now, again, the New Living Translation says that the value of the books burned in Ephesus would have been several million dollars. That sounds like what? But just remember, you, you didn't just go to the bookmobile. You didn't go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon and just get books. A book was a really rather uh, important possession. They were expensive. They were rare. Uh, they were handwritten, hand copied, you know. It's not just a book like you and I would have. And so books were very expensive and, and magic books, books of incantations were especially, you know, considered uh, pricely. And so I'm sure that this is a legitimate estimate, that this is an enormous fortune that was destroyed in books uh, of magic that the people of Ephesus destroyed. After this, verses 21 and 22, there's sort of a turning point for Paul. Paul says, I must go on to Rome. Paul's determined to go to Rome. He wants to take the gospel that far. And so from this point on in the book of Acts, you know, Luke's going to continue to sort of trace the travel log. But notice, man, we're, we're, we're making a beeline to Rome now, trying to follow Paul's aspiration to preach there. Uh, so we'll pick up right there tomorrow. Chapter 19, verses 23 to 41. Chapter 19, uh, verse 23, all the way to the end of the chapter. Uh, I love that today. I, I just love it so much. I'm really enjoying the book of Acts uh, I've read it all my life, but never like this. And uh, and again, I appreciate the chance to read it with you. Hey, listen, fire team guys, all you people, stay in the word, stay faithful. And uh, and I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you guys. It's a beautiful day. Make it great, all right? I'll see you tomorrow.